0: Hey babe, are you coming to bed?
1: Hey babe, you left your dishes here again.
0: Ah, why is your alarm going off so early again?
1: I can't wait to see you later. Let's
0: invite your mom over for dinner this weekend. Put on the kettle, babe. We (laughs) haven't had sex in four months. (laughs) I love you. I love you. This is Rainbow Pajamas, a podcast sharing stories from around the world of long-term LGBTQ plus relationships, from five years to more than fifty years. You'll hear personal details from our guests about how they met, what they fight about, their sex lives, to practical matters such as having kids, financial planning and retirement. We'll also discuss controversial topics like exclusive versus open relationships, polyamory and marriage. Hello, in this
1: episode I'm speaking with John and Patrick who are gay husbands and fathers to their six-month-old daughter Ran. They're based in a small town in County Donegal, Ireland, John and Patrick initially met on Grindr, and in this episode, they shared the special tricks they used to go from chatting on the popular app to becoming one of the first gay male couples to have a child through surrogacy in Ireland. They tell me why they decided to move to a small rural town of less than 5,000 people, and how is it like to be gay parents in a small rural village. Some of their neighbours initially assumed they were brothers, but obviously now it's different when they're walking around with their daughter. Their surrogacy journey came with many challenges. It was difficult to find an egg donor at first, and then at one point, they were even advised to advertise for egg donation in the local papers. Under Irish law, the surrogates is recognised as the child's legal guardian when they are first born for a period of time. So John and Patrick had to make sure they found someone who they can really trust. They also openly discussed the costs involved in the process and what they needed to do to become recognized as REN's legal parents. Do you know that surrogacy is not a thing just for gay people? The Center for Surrogate Parenting in the US showed that only around 31% of intended parents that have used their service are gay. People may seek surrogacy arrangement when the pregnancy is medically impossible, when pregnancy risks are dangerous for the intended mother, or when single man or male couple wish to have a child. Surrogacy is considered one of the many assisted reproductive technologies. There was a 165% increase in babies born in the United States to surrogate mothers from 2006 to 2015, according to the American Society for Reproductive Medicine. So there you go, more surrogacy knowledge to you. Now, Let's listen to today's episode of Rainbow Pajama: Story of John, Patrick, and Ran. And by the way, if you hear some babies' noise, that's actually their daughter Ran. So we've got three people over here. And if you heard me cry, that's because you haven't shared this podcast with your LGBTQ friends. Hey, Patrick, and hey, John, how are you guys doing?
2: Not too bad. How's thanks.
1: Not yeah, too bad. That was good. Awesome. It's great to chat with you guys. Where are you guys dialing in from today?
2: Uh, we are currently in Donegal and the village of Moth.
1: Very nice. And for those of uh, for the listeners who don't know Donegal, can you tell a little bit about Donegal? Where is it? Uh,
2: Donegal Ooh. is the northwest of Ireland, uh, the most rural county um, and the most underpopulated, I believe. Um, so we're just on the border between. Uh, beside Derry. Uh, so we're just the, the start or the end of the wide Atlantic Way.
1: Oh, that's wonderful. Are you guys from there?
2: Uh, we're actually from Derry, both of us. Uh, born and raised and moved out here a few years ago.
1: Very lovely. How long have you guys lived in that town now?
3: Six years. Uh, so we... Um... Got married on the May, and the week after we're staying for the house. So we're married six years this year, and we love in Muff six years as well.
1: Oh, fantastic! And and why Muff? Like, why did you guys move there? That's a good question.
3: <laughs> we have
2: been looking around right Derry uh, for houses, and we wanted something a bit more rural. Um, and so we were just kind of looking at it. And Muff, as I say, it's only a five minute drive from Derry was the Republic of Ireland, so we kind of looked down here, looked at houses with land and something a bit more rural, so we could have about some animals and stuff. Um, so that's why we decided here, Muff, was the best of both worlds.
1: Got it. That's fantastic. And how big is that town in terms of population? Uh, in terms
2: of population, Muff itself, I wouldn't imagine there's more than
3: five
1: thousand
2: people living in the village oh
1: definitely not even that man <laughs> wow that's incredible so ken and i actually lived in Kerry for about two months like uh earlier last year because of the pandemic and i noticed that in the village and all in, in the countryside island people were, like wave at each other so i suppose yeah. it's kind of that situation where you actually know everybody in the village and yeah. you know especially you guys it must be quite noticeable like most people would like notice oh they are like the gay parents over there yeah um yeah i think initially we kind of just blended in <laughs> the way we
2: noticed this the um... two brothers
3: living in the one house <laughs> <laughs> was the assumption until they were walking past and as you say on Donegal everybody waves at each other and chats to each other uh so as we were like walking and chatting to people in the village they got to know that we weren't actually brothers that we were husband and husband
2: yeah. <laughs> um, and like I think trouble.
3: again, since we've had uh, our daughter Ren,
2: um, we've become more noticeable and people have taken more uh, attention to us. Um, when we're out walking, they'll stop and they'll look in the pram and they'll find out more about myself and Patrick. Um, and we have an Instagram page, so some of the people in the village are following us on that, and so we'll stop oh, and say, i this post, or have seen that post. So um, yeah, they're, they're interested, they're, so all been very positive.
1: That's wonderful. And what do you guys do there in the small town?
2: Uh, well, currently I work for the health service.
1: I'm a social worker. Nice. Uh, and I work on a pet store. I'm a store manager
3: and Jolly's Pet Store.
1: Oh, that's that's really cool. And for those of you who are listening to podcast and you see some, you hear some background noise, you might actually know <laughs> that it's actually coming from the baby. And you guys <laughs> have a six-month-old now, right? A
2: uh, six month-old daughter. Yeah, her name's Ran. So i yeah. we're fortunate this year throughout the pandemic they have having something very positive come out of it.
1: Congratulations and the noise that you hear is kind of the reality of being a parent so like yeah. if you can't yeah. deal with that it kind of says that you know you may not be ready for being a parent just yet. So when they're talking to us right now they're actually like playing with Rand at the same time as well. So how's your parenting story and um, uh, parenthood so far? Uh,
2: parenting has been I hate to say this because there's a lot of parents be listening, but it's so far, it's been a breeze. <laughs> it's been really good. Um, but because Ren is quite content, he's quite happy. It's made things a lot easier. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been great. Um, she doesn't miss a sleep, so we don't miss any sleep.
3: I think so. that was the main thing for us. We were going, how are we actually going to function? How are we going to go back to work? Because obviously our sisters have children and our brothers have children. And you hear all of the sleepless nights and how tired you be, but from about two weeks, Ren has slept all night three, haven't you? Hi. <laughs> so it's been pretty straightforward, thank God. Uh, and for us, um, I think people are rolling their eyes and going, no, true, it tree, not be tree. But uh, 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 she yeah. has slept since she's two weeks old, so it's great. It's been fantastic
1: that's fantastic i actually looked at one of your instagrams and i noticed that one of you actually used to go to the gym quite a lot and had a personal trainer has that been cancelled since you had the baby <laughs>
2: <laughs> no well we cancelled it for a while for a short period of time um this one ran arrived, and obviously just for the pandemic and stuff we wanted not to bring any germs into the house but now we've been back at it since it was about six weeks old so we've been continuing to go um, but awesome. It might look
3: like it, but we do we do try to go. Also, eating a lot. <laughs> um,
1: well, now you have a lot more priorities, and making sure that yeah. the baby is alive—that's definitely most important. <laughs>
2: uh, so um, it's been to change their own routine as well.
1: So, you guys are still able to sleep like seven hours a day? <clears throat>
2: yeah, still yeah. going to bed and getting a full night's sleep and getting up with Ren. Um, well, she'll sleep at about eight or half eight in the morning from about 10 o'clock at night. So, sometimes you get too much sleep,
1: you get 10 hours sometimes. Oh, wow. So, you sleep yeah. with them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you really sleep with nice. anybody? sleep. That's really cool. Well, I, I know that a lot of listeners probably have a lot of questions about your parenting <laughs> journey. So, we'll keep. Get- <laughs> to the end of the episode but let's chat about you guys uh first so i know that you guys met in your mid-20s how do you guys meet
2: yeah we met when we were about 25 26 um we had been chatting on a date now uh, me and patrick spoke from the same town, but we had never ever laid out each on each other before um we didn't know each other um, and we're both the same age so
1: it was quite funny Sorry.
3: That he's, he's older, he's five days older than what I
1: am <laughs> I'm the much older, There's an age gap yeah,
3: there
1: so um, we have never
2: actually met uh, or seen each other in person and we both grew up in the same town um, so we actually met them through Aditna um, I'm sure a lot of your listeners are familiar with familiar with Aditna grinder. <laughs> so we oh. actually met there um, we had chatted uh, for a couple of months
3: yeah and then, and then john was going
2: to canada I for was a while going to Canada um, for a while so we hadn't
3: been chatting and then when i came back then he couldn't wait to get chatting to me again so he does it. and they asked me i did it what first i day didn't day
2: know
1: day. i didn't know that grinder can turn you know two gays into gay parents you Yeah, there's a
2: lot to be said for online dating <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, it was, uh, it was quite quick then. Um, we had went on our first date and we went to the batting cages um, they play like the baseball and things like that. And then shortly after, Patrick wouldn't leave me alone and tried to move on. with me. So yeah, it, it was
3: quite quick. Yeah, so um, a year and a half later, John, who says that I was trying to move quickly, had proposed to me so he was the one that actually was moving quite quickly. And within the year we were married.
1: Yeah. Oh, wow. When you so know, how, you know. How yeah. does it work? Because tell me, like, I think a lot of people, that their grinder experience is, you know, pretty dreadful. And people might just be asking, like, what's your send me some pics or more yeah. pics or stuff like no, that. Do you guys ask have. about like, like kids? Do you guys want to have kids like immediately?
2: <laughs> no, they they weren't the initial conversations. Um, but yeah, we had all the, the bad experiences with Grindr and date apps in general. Um, so I had taken a step back and I think Patrick had taken a step back for a while from like date apps and things like that. Um, and so many other things had changed that we wanted something different. So when I started chatting to Patrick again online, um, it was more really wasn't flirting it was just chatting it was just a general chit chat Um, and then we kind of were chatting for a long time so just kind of got the courage up to say do you want to meet up and that's what happened he agreed reluctantly I think <laughs> um, and then it was just straightforward from there we did have all those chats I think again initially in the first few weeks for the first few months about what we wanted for the future and family and children and we admired um so they all kind of went in sync with what i was feeling what patrick
3: was feeling um, okay and i think again just to kind of say morals and values they kind of held but i i morals and values i think's pretty high up their ways as well and obviously i would be a bit more um like old-fashioned maybe i would say uh <laughs> Um so reserved. About reserved. <laughs> it, maybe uh I wouldn't probably be um I wouldn't say it's out there, but I think it, it takes a while uh to warm to me and on the second date when John showed up in a three-piece suit no. to try and impress <laughs> me. I thought well this is Button Parson. We're only going to a wee local restaurant, and he's wearing a three-piece suit. <laughs> uh, so I think he was a keeper then. They thought it was really traditional at that stage. No, let me let me clarify that
2: for anybody listening. <laughs> um, Patrick told me we are going somewhere very fancy, uh, so I was like, right, oh, right, somewhere fancy. I'll have to try and you know, dress a bit better. <laughs> Bearing in mind, I was a 26-year-old. He had been on lots of dates and had a, my best friend on my phone like send her photographs of what I should wear because I was nervous and this is a fancy place we were going to so I had lots of nice things picked out to wear um, shirts and jeans and things like that but I don't know how or why we landed on a 3 piece suit <laughs> 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 to wear um, maybe so that's was the pretty, one
1: that worked yeah but it worked it worked <laughs> I'm still here <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. So it sounds like it was kind of like having a slightly different uh, even more like a serious ca- uh, conversation on grinder rather than the typical, you know, do you have picks kind of question. Yeah,
2: it wasn't just a hookup I don't think. Well, it definitely wasn't uh, a hookup uh, for me and Patrick. Um, so I think just having proper conversation and just I mean, you know you get a bit older that's you probably do those things when you're a bit younger. But as Guy and I, we had kind of changed our own mindsets and what we're looking for. um. So we're just kind of having general conversations and kind of checking
1: on each other. Got it, got it. So I guess for those who are listening and are using Grinder, maybe a tip is to have a more general and normal conversation rather than yeah. just a very simple, uh, you know, intrusive questions about your bodies and pictures.
2: Yeah, I think just in general, because obviously... There's such a taboo, even now around dating apps, Um, and especially when you look at Alexa um, it's either it's a body pic or no pic at all on their app, so the fact that me and Patty just had our faces on it, uh, it was just kind of like, well, I'm here, you might chat, there's nothing to be gained. But I
3: also think as well, people do look at dating apps, but like you go on it as well, and that's, it is what you make of it, so if you're going on and you are sending pictures and that's fine like if that is what you want yeah but it is what you make of it so if people are asking for that and you aren't sending them or you are sending them each to their own um does what you make of it really so yeah. rather than sending that's pictures a, that's like
0: would...
1: that's a really good point it's really like what you make of it like if you put your face pictures and proper pictures up there and have a really you know a uh, comprehensive introduction about yourself and then have proper mm-hmm. conversation with people i'm sure people will re- reciprocate as well. and for people who are not looking for the same that they you know you're not yeah. w- what they're looking for then you're also not wasting each other's time too so but like how how did you kind of like how long were you on dating apps before you met each other Like, was that a very frustrating journey because some of my <sighs> friends like you know they have been on those apps for years and they just really kind of ruined yeah. their mental health and all that
2: uh, uh well, I had been on dating apps because again I didn't really know anybody and before obviously you come out and tell anybody that you're gay you kind of be on dating apps they meet like-minded people just they kind of see what's about who you, who's about um, because no one just goes around and says "Hi, hey, uh, I'm gay so <laughs> so you have to go on the apps to find out you know who's gay in your area or in your town um so i have been using them to kind of meet people to try and go on dates and things like that but they never really panned out um so it was kind of just like a couple of dates or so meeting for a while and then there was nothing really to it um so yeah i've been using probably for since it's about 20, 21.
3: 16 i would say <laughs> <laughs> and
2: not for me <laughs> legally for 20. Uh, um, So in reality, you were using
1: it for like you know nine, ten years. Yeah, there was a time we just gone
2: on. Did you see who's about? about, Like what? What was just a nosy, Uh, just nosy
3: and about who's there? What will they (laughs) do? That was that really? Yeah.
1: Got it, got it. That makes sense. So I guess the journey wasn't like oh you go on it and within a few months then you found the love of your life and had a baby. No, 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 no. (laughs) No.
2: (laughs) Just a lot of frogs, as you say?
1: That's that's right. Well, you kissed the right one. Not too many end? frogs. Not too many frogs. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember, like, when I was traveling and single, like, I will go on these apps, like, in, in a small town, and then the nearest guy would be like a hundred kilometers away. Like, obviously, <laughs> Derry is not like super small. There's about like a hundred thousand people, but where you guys are is actually quite small. So why yeah. did you guys move to this small town?
3: I think it was more like outdoor space when we were looking at properties. Um, it was all new builds and um, we wanted something that we could put our own stump on. Uh, and any of the new builds, they had no outside space and the price of them was colossal for what they were. And then when we just moved literally a five minute drive and started looking um, what you could get uh, and the potential some of the houses had and the outdoor space. Yeah. Um. Is what we were really looking for. So we found the houseway great. It was space, a lot of potential, and it used to be an old B So it was a seven bedroom B and in moth and we renovated it. Um, so it's now a four bedroom.
1: So- Are you guys still renting it all as a B and
3: No, no. Um, we completely renovated it, and
2: um, it's we just live here now um, with ourselves. Yeah
1: yes lovely and do you guys already have this kind of conversation when you first started dating that oh you wanted to move to a small town with more space
3: it wasn't really the small town that done it for us it was the land around it and the potential house ad. so it wasn't really we were thinking of muff or that we really would have moved here but um when we seen it and we seen the potential Um, we just couldn't stop thinking about it after we left, and that's the feeling that everybody talks about. You get when you see the house that you want. So yeah, we are hoping maybe in another few years to um bold, but it was a good uh, seven soon. They what we're hoping to do in the long run? Mm -hmm.
1: Got it. But I I suppose when you guys started dating, you already talked about like what kind of house or town neighborhood or or, uh, all the vibes that you're getting in.
3: So we used to go to the beach and like draw on the sand what type of house that we wanted and <laughs> where we would have this and what way we would do a kitchen up and yeah so yeah wow. we did talk about, uh houses and-,
2: and i think patrick's always wanted to build a house um his grandfather has built his own houses and his family um is always kind of in that industry and trade and stuff um so for patrick it's always been a dream to build his own house um, so I'm quite happy to go along with it as long as I don't have to do anything apart from decorate I'm quite happy to then build a house <laughs>
1: Got it. and do you guys already talk about this kind of stuff in the first year when you started dating or oh definitely after you-
2: um, yeah I think after even the first couple of months we knew that we were right for each other and we knew we were going to be with each other so we had those conversations about family and marriage and you know our future going forward, what our house would be, and maybe where we might live and things like that. So there was a lot of early discussions from the first year, definitely about what the future would look like. Um, because Patrick loves to make plans. I no. having a five-year plan. A five-year plan. And, uh, oh wow! Married and have a house. Yeah. Um. So we we done that. That was ticked off. Um. <laughs> Quite early after we were married, we were even before we were yeah. married but certainly it, it ramped up a bit more after we got married about having a family um so we had looked at um, the, uh, um, and the fostering and the adoption um and they just didn't pan out at the time uh, for oh, ourselves we, a lot of things
3: going on um so we had so really renewed- having them discussions as well we are families yeah. and saying is that you no, know, we would really love children. We were looking on the adoption, and my dad go to a few training sessions. And um, when we were discussing it, where we families in, uh, my sister had said that she would love to be able to, uh, give us a child, um, and do surrogate for us. So although, um, the child genetically has nothing to do with my sister, uh, we got a donor egg, um and that's how the discussion started and although a lot of our friends had said god we would we would love to do surrogate when it actually comes down to the crunch really um you know who's right for it and you know if they're ready for it so it wasn't just selfishly thinking that god they says they would do it it was making sure that they were in the right frame of mind to be able to do it my sister had said she wanted to have two children and that would be her family finished and then she would try for us, um, so we just waited rather than trying to put any kind of pressure or on her, and waited till she came to us and told us that she was ready to start trying. Um, that we really, that's when it really ramped up, and we were looking into how would we go about getting egg donors, how would we go about finding a clinic that would do surrogacy in, in Northern Ireland. Um, there were no gay couples who has do uh, surrogacy internally. Those, uh, yeah, gay male
2: couples. Um, obviously a lot of lesbian couples can go under the clinics and uh, be inseminated, and then it's more straightforward. Um, but for ourselves, I wouldn't, I
3: wouldn't say straightforward because well, we do have a lot of, <laughs> well, not a lot, but we have a few lesbian friends as well, and their journey has been, been very, very tough, very tough, yeah. as it does be when you're going through IVF and. Um, the journey is a struggle and it's real for a lot of people so we would never want to um, no, I
1: don't want to that
2: yeah. I'm, I'm, I and what the, I was saying is a wee bit more I would say with females the idea is that it, that it is more straightforward but it's obviously not um, given what we have learned about um, fertility and treatments and things like that but for ourselves because we were a gay male couple um, I mean, obviously no. the clinics had never done that before um and they were unsure really of how they were going to do it and what was going to happen. Um, so initially we went up with Patrick's sister. Um, and what they were saying is that by all means that they would certainly implant Charlie with an embryo, but that they didn't actually have any embryos and it wasn't something that was readily available. And so initially they told us about going to the Ukraine and getting embryos. Eggs, sorry, eggs, not embryos. Eggs, sorry, not embryos. Uh and getting eggs. Um and that was the plan from the start that we would go and get egg retrieval from the Ukraine through an agency who they had one. Um, But due to I think legal some some legal issues ethics and the good. ethics around how they were doing that and extracting the eggs. Um mm. it was shut down in the Ukraine. Oh. Um, so at that point then we were kind of at a a standstill. Um and I think at that point the pandemic was just starting.
3: Was um it? well no no it uh, wasn't so we no. did uh they have said yes can ask friends and family if they would like to donate their eggs and that they can also um what and that they <laughs> could also um advertise on local papers, which we thought was very strange that yeah. You yeah. Could for egg donations and local papers, Yeah, because no sooner was that said, um, they, they had rang us, I think it was two or three weeks later, yeah. and they said somebody had come onto the clinic, and they would <laughs> they wished that their eggs could be donated to a gay couple, um, and we were the only gay couple oh, that wow. there. at the Same. Yeah. Uh, so we were very lucky, and it was I don't know how everything <clears throat> fell into place. It's kind of just really serendipitous. Wow.
2: So uh, there was
1: a a lot that you mentioned just now. So first of all, your sister helped. And now I have to really go back to my parents and ask if there is a secret sister that I don't (laughs) know. (laughs) Because that definitely made it a lot more straightforward. Because I heard that in Europe in many places you're not allowed to actually hire a woman to be That's a surrogate. Right. It can only yeah. be a volunteer. So, yeah. you know, was that, how did you actually even like propose to your sister or even discuss that with her in the first uh,
3: When we were talking about adoption and home on time and stuff like that, um, we were just talking about uh, children and care. And um, my sister just says that she would love uh, to be able to give us our own child and, um, so that that's really how the conversation came up, she had said that she would like to do it for us so uh, we didn't want to put any pressure on anybody to do something so um, life changing, um, so when she came forward uh, we were more than happy, we were yeah. ecstatic and we were she's very strong minded um, and I just think you, you really do have to be strong minded and know what you're going on there and from like set she really seemed they have her plan of what she wanted for her family and then she would start our family for us so yeah absolutely amazing
1: that, that is so lovely and you know obviously that comes from someone that you know very well because i suppose if you hire somebody even legally in certain countries you have yeah. to do a lot of vetting and, and making sure yeah. that you have a good relationship with them and then you know she can uh you know be responsible and also maintain the relationship and well, also way.
3: For us, it was really important that it was somebody we knew because legally, the child does the surrogates, no matter if they're genetically related or not, that surrogate has sole custody to that child. So they're the, they're the birth parent,
2: and they're hmm. recognized under law, under Irish law, as the biological parent, even though genetically, genetically they're nothing to do with our surrogate. Uh, and they only the they're the birth parent, um, is the biological and legal uh of yeah. another child. So it was very important to us that we did or have the surrogate. Um somebody we knew and yeah. you know, especially because it was Patrick's sister Charlie. Uh we trusted her so there was never a fear of um us having Ren and then the surrogate taking the baby office. Yeah. <laughs> so legally um it Ren or any child has to stay with the, the birth parents um, on the paper on the paperwork for six weeks and one day um, up until that time they can change their mind and keep the child uh, and that
3: is just on paperwork and that's so on paperwork that's... surrogate doesn't keep the child so from we had Ren in the hospital when the three of us went home Ren came home with us and Charlie went home to her own children and family so but first it was it was a running kind of joke if we were Talked out of the line to Charlie or said something. She says, I'm telling you, your six weeks in a day isn't up. So
1: you were treating her like a princess for Yes, this. <laughs> and then the
3: six weeks in a day was up, and that was her done. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. She was like, you know, suddenly asked for a huge favor. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that's right. How do you um so after six weeks you were able to change the birth certificate yeah, to both of so your names? Is it
2: yeah? So after six weeks in a day, you can apply to the high court. Um They have the birth cert rectified. They recognise myself and Patrick as the biological parents. Um, So when that goes through, myself and Patrick will be on the birth cert. And at at that point, Charlie will be removed from it. And so we'd have our own copy um, for schools
3: or for passports, anything like that. They recognise me and Patrick then as the parents. But I think as well, what was really um, important for us was... uh, that was the share our story, and a lot of the implications came from people not knowing. So when we did ring the high court, they asked what it was that we needed to apply for. Nobody actually knew what we had to do. Yeah. Nobody knew what paperwork we had to fill out. Solicitors didn't know how to go about it. Um, it was pretty much a minefield. Mm-hmm. And although uh, they helped as best they can, it is still pretty much a minefield. A minefield and they don't yeah. like we. Seldom have any birth certificate with our two names on it. Yeah, Uh, because you you mentioned
1: previously that like you guys are actually the first male gay couple in that medical company that you worked with that went through the whole process entirely in Ireland. Because a lot of people in Europe go to the US and North America to get that sorted. So you really have to go through these procedures the first time on your own, figure out what to do with it.
2: Uh, Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Um, like we had friends. They live in the, the, uh, the continent, um, here going free America as well, Um, they have their baby. Um, and what we've noticed is it's waste, it's more commercial, um, anything's laid out very well like from the start to the end. Um, uh, all the paperwork and the process and the procedures are all very well explained and straightforward. Here, as Patrick was saying, it's still an unknown, like from the very point where we entered the hospital, they go for pre pre-natal appointments with Charlie um, or for scans for Ren. We weren't recognized as the parents. Um, they were unsure who they let into the room, who not they let into the room. Uh, so it was a mind thing. Yeah. but again, through talking with the health service staff and the nurses and the doctors we were working with, they were really receptive and open to listening to this and working with this because they too had come up against this before. They were like, this is new, and they wanted to learn. Um, And whilst me and Paddy have done it, uh, I'm sure there's still lots of learning for um, the services and for the legal system and even for ourselves. (coughs)
3: There there were times where we were sitting at a hospital scan and we were told that we would be allowed in. But when we got to the doors, me and John was turned away and Charlie was let in. Now, this was pandemic as well, but what we were trying to get across is Charlie was never that child never going to be that child's parent. So if anything happened and one of the scans and a decision needed to be made or God forbid something was wrong with Ren, then Charlie would have been the person who had to then come out and tell us. And Charlie wouldn't have been able to answer any questions that we would have had. So it was when we were sitting in the car park trying to ring different agencies to try to get into the hospital. <coughs> and the two years looking at each other and sometimes getting angry. Everybody- because, oh, you're not saying what I'm telling you to say. And what what was supposed to be a really nice time during the pregnancy sometimes felt like a bit of a battle. But at the only Gavin Hospital in Derry, where we had Wren, they were a madwife there who rang us after that. And she done a full birth plan with us. And she was off that night. And as soon as she came in the next day, she came down to see us. She was crying. We were all crying. Um... Uh, it was just it was just so nice so. Yeah.
1: yeah
2: yeah it was one of the one things we would always have says and family have says
3: whilst we might be one of the first
2: we definitely won't be the last so it is really a good opportunity for services now to step forward and rethink about what a family looks like you know it's not always just a mother and father it's not conventional sometimes there's three people involved in the kind of family or sometimes more so it, it's just about you know really learning um because society has changed so much now um the, just the families are starting man woman, and children you know
1: yeah that's incredible and there's so many steps and hurdles that you have to jump through i actually read uh, a while ago that there were researches done on like how good gay parents or same-sex parents are and, you know, obviously a lot of people don't believe that same-sex parents can provide the same parental you know um, parenthood to the child but based on that research it actually says that on average same-sex parents actually provide better parenting on average than uh, heterosexual couples and one of the reasons is that uh, they believe because there's no accidental parenthood so everyone that uh, in same-sex parenting they all have to go through a lot of challenges for a very long period of time so it's not something that you know in a split second they made a mistake and then some accident (laughs) happened and yeah I would would really agree and even well I'm not going to
3: agree because I do have sisters with children and they just will not have it if if we're (laughs) saying this I'm not (laughs) (laughs) we all do a good job if we try our best
1: yeah definitely definitely
3: yeah, but what I'm agreeing with
2: is your comment about there's no accidental parents. Because why pre having REM, we had to go to counseling uh, with our, with Charlie, our surrogate and her partner. They really talked about what family would mean to us and how would family are having a child impact on our life. So we were really kind of talked and talked and talked about it a lot uh, before REM was even
0: conceived.
2: Um, so before there's any kind of medical procedures taking place, it was counselling to do with the with the chronic, so it was really well thought for your matter aspect, looked after your emotional health, um, and really got any awkward questions out of the way, um, and about the plan for the future, how Charlie might feel or how her partner might feel.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, how long did you guys think about before you decided to go with, you know, having a child? Because you guys have been together for about eight years now. Like, At yeah. what point did you start that conversation and kind of make the decision?
2: Honestly, I would say within the first year, we but, knew we wanted children. We didn't know what that would look like, whether it was adoption or fostering. Um, but we knew we wanted a family. Um, so, um, yeah, it, um, it took us time. To, uh, a nappy situation here in- and <laughs> <It's laughs> um,
1: we're giving a so really I'm realistic like portrait of having you know par- uh, having kids to our listeners it's really good
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah it takes a lot of planning and figuring out because like i'm at home at the moment um with work and things like that so even trying to plan your day when you get up and when you go to bed from the, the point of first feed, you can plan right. so three hours from now, you'll be what time, which you won't feed again. So you think, right, I have three hours. They go and clean the house, get breakfast made or get myself washed before I feed them. And then after that three hours, you think, right, I have to go in the, into town. They're going to do a message. So I have to kind of always plan my time around the feeding. So um, it's quite funny. Your day goes quite quickly when you're doing three-hour segments.
1: <laughs> yeah. So you Uh, really have to plan your day around and change your life completely, you know?
2: Completely. I try to be more organized. I'm not sure that I always am, but I do try to be more organized.
1: Yeah. That's interesting. And I I read um, that you told me previously that, you know, in in television, you don't usually see or you don't ever see gay parents or same-sex parents. And usually on TV, you kind of see, like, gay characters being, like, the best friend of some women. Yeah. For example yeah. then without the role models what kind of gave you the resilience and determination to be gay parents
2: yeah that's a good question um i suppose certainly growing up in ireland um, there was never any really none that really stands out to me anyway in television and media gay characters um that you would think that's the kind of person i am that's who i want to be um there was always the gay best friend who was very eccentric are uh, very camp, and I was like, that doesn't resonate with who I am. But I am gay, so is this what people expect? Is this what I should be? So there was all those kind of questions in my mind growing up, thinking, "Oh, who am I? What's my identity?" Because I don't resonate with a lot of what's going on there, but I know what the core are probably the same or, or the same <laughs> um, outlook. Um, so for us, and relation to myself, um, for family, there was never any gay characters growing up that I could think, oh, that's a role model, that's somebody I aspire to be like. Um, Because in actual fact, when you watched anything on television, when they came out as gay um, to their family or friends, it was always met with hysteria. Hysteria. There was crying, there was shame, there was all this emotional, and which is still the same, I'm not dismissing that. It's still the same for some people of that experience, who is not welcomed. Uh, when they kind of come out the parents or friends. But it was never that and that's what always panicked me. I had a loving family. Um but it was a fear of telling them, oh, I'm gay. And actually when I did, they all kind of turned around and says, well we already know that. <laughs> I was like well, how she was you kind of always known since you were like a child. I was like why, why has nobody ever said <laughs> me like it's okay? Or you know I was just kind of so dumbfounded. I thought, why well, has nobody ever told me or says to me, no, we know you're gay. it's, it's fine. <laughs> and so when, when I was chatting to my mum, she was like, well, I just thought you would tell us when you were ready. I thought, well, it would have been much easier and much nicer if you had just kind of told me. <laughs> 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 it could have been fine, but um, yeah, it's, my experience of growing up gay in, in Ireland was, is quite positive. I know that's not everybody's experience, um, and I I would say when I was growing up, I wasn't out as gay or anything like that. But um, since I have come out as gay, again, it's been a really positive experience for myself. But I feel like I've been very lucky in that respect um, where I've always had a close family and friends. What? Right um,
1: yeah. That, that's really good. So it sounds like you kind of really needed to create the life that you wanted for yourself on your own and then it's not like you adopted someone's like role model and their image and then you can learn from them so you really decide yeah. what to do it's almost like being an entrepreneur of your own self like you start everything on your own you craft your own image your own brand what you want to do with it and then go through all these challenges that no one has done before and people ask like really odd questions uh well
3: what i would just we were actually uh we had our first real night away just ourselves there on Tuesday. And my sister watched Ren for us. And when we were driving up in the car, we were talking about when you were growing up and how did you come out and what it's like now for people and how it's changed and how different people have paved the way for society to be so accepting in some ways and for other people who does isn't. Uh, and like that, I do believe for me that... Um, or for anybody really you can be your own destiny you don't have to fall into any kind of boxes who people set out for you um I really didn't like school I wasn't that confident when I was growing up uh and I think it was Judy when I was growing up uh I would have had a fight a lot and it wasn't that I had a fight it was I was always taught that stand up for what's right and if somebody's saying this and you don't believe it then stand up for yourself um so th- that's the way my family all wanted each other that's the way we were all brought up so if somebody said something to me uh and maybe tried to pick a fight or called me a pansy as I was walking down the street then i would uh, approach that head on and made sure that the next time i walked past them they weren't going to call me a pansy mm-hmm. um and we were just saying that it's not just children it was parents like when i was walking the street or and i wasn't an angel to be honest with you by no means i would have mm. played pebble dash i would have played nick knock i would have got up to but about a mischief like everybody did.
1: yeah um,
3: <laughs> but no th- their parents also would have come out and my mom i always laughed she said she never had a go out the door for any or way until i came along and she was never done going out and seeing what was wrong and what was going on and uh uh, there's a few stories that could be told there but we won't go into that um but i do believe that you can change your own life and if you just have a better outlook outlook for what you want for yourself rather than waiting for people to come on and say i can help you do this or i can help you do that yeah just be your own destiny i think if you i suppose
2: what we always say if you want to see change you have to create change um you know you want to be something different or do something different you have to to take that risk and make it for yourself because you be it doesn't part get of the change it, it yeah. doesn't get mm-hmm. and what we find out nothing came easy we wanted the house we wanted a chair we had to make these changes but we were very fortunate and we we're very lucky in lots of ways um so i know it's not straightforward and it can be difficult for people but um for ourselves for our look, it is. If you want change you have to create it
1: yeah that's really a consistent message that you guys have sent like from the beginning that like you know grinder or dating apps is what you made out of it and like you can craft the way you use it you can change the way you yeah. use it and kind of use it to your own advantage and same with like parenting or being yourself as well like it is what kind of life you want and what is the outlook of life and kind of really finding someone who is aligned with that and and can you actually I'd love to like touch a little bit more on the parenting story previously you mentioned to me that obviously this is a new journey and in ireland it's very unique as well um why did you guys decide to be you know the first you know going through surrogacy instead of doing like fostering or adoption
2: uh, well we didn't decide to be the first <laughs> <laughs> uh, we just we just were and that was just the how it is But no, we did look into fostering and adoption um, initially. Um, We did go through those channels. Um, But just with changes in our own circumstances, um, when we first, before we moved to where we live now, uh, we lived in Derry. Um, Because, obviously, of the border, one's Northern Ireland, one's the Republic of Ireland, Um, we couldn't continue on with our fostering journey because we were renting a house um, when we lived in Derry and we knew we wanted... house we're in now and we wanted to move forward with that so we had to kind of stop that fostering journey um as at the initial kind of stages but it it really kind of sent the message home to us how much we really wanted it and much we wanted a family um so whilst we had stopped it and we were focusing on just getting married and sorting out the new house and things like that we knew very much that we obviously wanted a family but well, we haven't rolled it out. I think it's something we're still going to actively pursue when Ren is a bit older. Um, next, maybe two or three years, uh, they continue on with that fostering or adoption journey now um, mm-hmm. in the Republic of Ireland. Um, so it's dead, it's not rolled out for ourselves, uh, but it just takes a bit more planning and time and consideration because it's not just myself and Patrick that they concern ourselves about now. It's also Ren and bringing a new person or people uh, or children into her life as well and how it might impact on our family dynamics.
3: So it's some now we, we do have to give a lot of consideration to. I think as well too, when we were talking about like fostering, adoption, surrogacy, uh, we wanted to do surrogacy first because we didn't want possibly for a child that we adopted. They think it wasn't good enough that we then had to go and have a child through surrogacy. So we took that plan um, because we, we were thinking in the long run what we were going to do and what way it would affect maybe potential children that would come into our lives as well so uh, we have I think we we really cover all options when we're going to talk and I think when we, we talk quite openly and we ask ourselves questions that maybe you don't want to know the answers to or like what if we get a child that has special needs or what if you get a child that has this or and I think it's important to have them conversations yeah. and really look at your life and what it is that you want. And and really, what can you bring to that child's life? Yeah. You know, are, are you good enough to have that child
2: love with you? You know, have you got enough skills, enough love to make that child flourish? So as much as we can say we would love to have all our children, would children, a certain child, be best plus with us or within our family? Yeah. So it's yeah. really what you can bring to their lives. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a bigger question sometimes yeah so
1: you really <coughs> talk very comprehensively across like what you wanted and what about like you know the Trojan in the future and what are the possibility of like having a second yeah. child and what's the implication of that and, yeah. and that's really comprehensive and and you actually also mentioned that like the egg donor was coming <laughs> out of nowhere and then she was willing to donate to a gay couple. Yeah. Have you actually got the chance to even meet the uh, egg donor as well?
3: So we aren't allowed to see who the egg donor is. It's all um it's quite private. Private. Um, and so Ryan can find out who the egg donor is when she's eighteen if she wants to. Okay. Um, but we we can't look and we all <coughs> Um we give a brief description and that was yeah. that's we're a brief description
2: of what she looks like and you know, a background, but that was about that. that's it. that it's all the information we receive. Obviously the clinic, there's um all yes. the medical testing and things they get and genetic testing but just um we just get a brief description of what she's like
3: and i think as well for us i know we were talking uh, earlier about like sometimes money is uh, a really big factor on it uh when we uh, were going up we were told i think the eggs from kiev so we would have been it was fifteen thousand to get a batch of 12 eggs um so when this egg donor came forward uh and specifically requested for it to be donated to a gay couple we had thought god i wonder do we still have to keep saving because it was it was quite a lot of saving we (coughs) were married we were buying a house and trying to save for a baby so when we asked the question then because um egg donor can only get paid up as much as 750 pound in northern ireland that's all they can get paid we had thought it might have bring the cost down a bit, but it actually went up. Um, so I, do, I don't really know how that costing came about, but from somebody who'd done a really generous thing and donated their eggs and only gets covered for like days off work and uh, travel and stuff like that. So they would only get £750 where mm. we were billed a colossal amount of money for yeah. For their, their generous... Mm-hmm
1: donation oh wow so you were saying that you still have to actually pay a pretty big cost for it but then she didn't actually get uh, she yeah, only got about 700 yes yeah, So
2: the, the egg donor as patty was saying only gets a maximum of 750 pound for donating their eggs um whereas you look at again maybe in america it's in the thousands and they yeah. get that money but because the clinic um that we worked through they had to get the egg retrieval and they had to do the mm. the sum of the work um where they were now charging us for that as well. Um, yeah. We are in Kiev. They had done that. Um, and then there was also the... So we thought that the price would have come down because we hadn't got those extra hurdles, but it, it didn't.
1: Got it. That makes sense. And how, if you don't mind me asking, how much does that cost all in all from the end, from planning, consultation, to, you know, taking home the baby? Oh. <laughs> it was about, I
3: think it was about 22,000
1: pounds. Um, yeah, Pound okay. Uh, okay. so, so when you look a lot cheaper than the u.s then yes, yes
3: definitely yeah definitely well and yeah. because uh, surrogates surrogates mm-hmm. can get paid obviously here as well that, that's that that is why when you look at it as it pretty low and we do also have more embryos as well up there so um got it yeah
2: yeah uh, so just as you were saying before like obviously in europe surrogates can't get paid so it's brought the price of what we were doing um down a lot more um but i think just in and looking at outside costs too what people don't realize is you when know, you're paying for your travel you obviously want the looking after the surrogate and her partner as well because they take days off work so you have to be considered of not just paying for you yeah. have a baby you have to pay for all those additional needs and additional costs that you wouldn't really factor in initially yeah like
3: travel paying for
2: so, the if the diesel. surgeon needs
3: a day off to come up, day an appointment with us, then you don't really want the surgeon to come back and to work after maybe getting the procedure done. Uh, then you can't really expect her to take a, a day off holiday with her own holiday pots. So you mm. would be paying for her day's work. And if her partner, partner was coming up, up then we would pay for their one. day's work. Mm. Hello. Yeah, nice. it, it when you look at it, it is pretty cheap. But what we're saying is, we don't just have these a couple of extra. <laughs> Thousand pound there yeah. as a be able yeah. to pay
1: them kind of yeah I know that in many countries actually even for like heterosexual couples they have to pay a lot to you know to go through the procedures and stay in mm-hmm. hospital it could be like thousands yeah. if not tens of thousands, of dollars just to naturally yeah. give babies as well but uh, now you guys have take Randholm's beautiful journey. You know, can you share a little bit about your like story living in a smaller town, as gay parents? Like, have you got any odd encounters, or has it actually like all roses? I think people
3: um, just come to the conclusion themselves that we've adopted a baby, and pretty much in the first couple of weeks, you could see people walking past and looking over the kids to see if they could see people or they were you know, when they were out walking their dogs they were looking to really see if they could see us out oh, uh, wow! But much from uh it's
1: quite intrusive like yeah and it's and it's done and, with
3: it's on donny but you're allowed to do that in donny we all oh, okay. say hello we wave that's all okay
2: but to be honest i think they were up and down the road looking in and but it was all done with a genuine and a interest and interest it was not malicious and i know Probably quite nosy, but with really good intent intentions. Yeah.
3: Um, like so we were neighbors, uh, our next door neighbors. Ninety three. Yeah. Um, she. We were at her ninetieth birthday party, and she obviously knows we're married and we're a gay couple. And I just, th- our my granddad's ninety five, John's granny's eighty seven, and I think people are in that era. Some people think, oh, I wonder what they think of, like, a gay our couple th- or us getting married, <laughs> but our Grandparents was at her wedding. Uh, they were just so accepting. And the neighbour down the road, like she when we told our family that we were having a baby, we'd give her a Christmas card as well with Ren's scan photo on it. And she, she was going, But well, what's this? What's this? And we were explaining to her that we were going to be daddies. And she was just so open and she was telling all her family about it. They all sent over presents for Ren. They all love in England. She loves herself. Uh, and they're, they're mm. Nieces and nephews were sending presents. A farmer up the road was running down the street (laughs) to give us presents.
1: Oh, wow, that's amazing.
3: What kind of shocked
2: us was people that we hadn't really known were really genuine and really wanted to know what what was going on and um, just how we were. And it really
3: broke a lot. It broke a lot of. Like even neighbors. So we're living here five years, but some of our neighbors, you would see them and you would just maybe wave but they would never speak or uh but as soon as we had ran they were like right over there oh how you we've we seen you walking up and down the prom the last few weeks did you get a baby and mm. um, no uh, they were thinking we got a baby through adoption, adoption, or, adoption. or whatever it may be and then and we were telling them about, about your story and they were just amazed and now when you walk past we stop and chat and yeah People that's think of small village in Ireland that everybody's going to come after you be pitchforks because you're gay, that <laughs> yeah. they're so open, and I I just thought it was a really nice community. Kind of, yeah, that's little, really yeah. encouraging
1: to hear because you know, yeah. I think what those who don't know like, the Irish history you know Ireland has changed a lot in the past like a hundred few hundred years and then used to be a very religious and Catholic uh society but over time it's got a lot more open it's really lovely to see that you know being the first gay yeah, was, parent in the small town is still yeah. actually a pretty pleasant story um oh
2: definitely because I mean up until what 96 or 94 um being a gay in Ireland was still illegal and the the law um so I think we've come a long way and even growing up now. And yeah. I mean we're about 34. When I look now at some of the younger adults, like <clears throat> in the early 20s, even their late teens, about the opportunities those people will have you know, going forward, um, for a more circular society. Um, I just think it's it's amazing that the the journey Ireland has come on uh and how much it's changed. Um they allow you for People openness, themselves. you know, just, really? just to be themselves and be whoever you want to be. Because um, it's definitely allowed us to have our family. The fact that Ireland has changed so much in even the last 10 years. Um, so we're very grateful for like all those opportunities um, for those people who like, have come before us. They've kind of paved yeah. the way for us to come and do what we need to do. And hopefully we'll make a difference for somebody else come behind us and say, well, John and Patrick, would have a muff. You know, they can do it. I only left 10 minutes down the road. I'm sure I can do that. You know, so it's great to see that we were we're nobodies in the sense that We're not not special, we're not different from anybody else, but we can do it. So there's definitely means of you, you can do it.
1: Yeah, that's incredible. It's a very encouraging story because what I'm really hoping is that this podcast can create a platform for people from all over the world to hear these positive stories as well. Because, you know, I imagine someone will be a small village in a country where maybe gay marriage is still not legal Mm -hmm. and then they will be hearing these encouraging stories. Would you have yeah. any closing thoughts and final thoughts and tips to share with someone who might be living in a place where you know Ooh. they have not seen any gay parents or same-sex parents before or they may not even even know that many same-sex couples any final tips for them
3: I think uh, from what we were saying the whole way along if you want to see change you need to be the change so it's really important for us that that I would sometimes quite enjoy would go out and Oh, they're they're looking at you you know the fact i what is going on in the gap i really don't care the people who know me know that i'm a good person uh who've took the time over the years to get to know each other um i don't think anybody was like to hurt anybody um so just be yourself if you want to make change then you really have to be yeah it's
2: just having a lot of self-love for yourself um knowing who you are as, as a person um and it as party say you don't go out to hurt anybody, but you can't love a life for yourself. that's not authentic. Um so as you move throughout life, then you know you meet new people, you get new experiences, and that changes you as a person. Yeah. So I think for anybody who is living in a rural country or a rural setting that don't, doesn't have exposure, they're out of, you know, and say this LGBTQ or queer kind of communities. I would, I would say it's, it can be a struggle, but if you look around you, there's probably lots of queer people in the, in the community, uh, even when you are living rural, because you might be hiding who you are, but certainly they're there. there, there is allies there, it might be a sister, it might be a brawler, might be your own family or a neighbour, like you always have an
3: ally, somebody will love you for who you are and not what you are. And it, usually as a family member, um, I have a lesbian sister. John has a lesbian sister. It is hereditary. No, it's not. <laughs> Get a tablet, they take away. We're gay, we're here. And it's okay.
1: That's, that's incredible. Thanks so much for the tips. If someone wants to follow about your journey, is there somewhere that they can find you?
2: Yeah, we're on Instagram at 2 Dad's Journey. It's the number 2 dad's journey. Um. Yeah, you'll find us. And um, if they have any questions that they want to ask us, they can private messages if they like, and we can help in any way we can.
1: Awesome! Thank you so much for joining us. And I, I I've heard so much about your journey and then the challenges and the hurdles you go through. So I'm so sure that you guys are very well equipped for many challenges that are coming your head. And um uh, and also congratulations again for having beautiful baby Rand and good luck in 2022. Thank, thank you very,
2: you very much,
3: much. All, the best. all
1: the best take care 2022. Bye. Bye. bye that was John and Patrick's story I can't believe they met on Grinder and now I'm married and have a daughter in a small town what a story my experience with Grinder was nothing like that it was mostly so crushing lonely and toxic to my self esteem but I think they have a point dating apps are what you make of them If you use pictures that clearly show your face and personality, and have a proper bio that shows your interests, values, and personality, you're positioning yourself differently than a face's torso. And when you have a genuine conversation with someone on Grindr, who also reciprocates with a similar attitude, then you're using it to find love and genuine relationships. Obviously, some people are still going to send you unsolicited messages and pictures, but hey, just ignore them if that's not what you're looking for. This is not to slut shame anyone, it is okay to find what you like on Grindr totally, and you just have to adjust your behaviours based on what you're looking for, and similarly, also adjust your expectations based on how you use the app as well. I love so many things that John and Patrick said, if you want to see change, you need to be the change. Be yourself, know who you are as a person and live a life that's authentic to yourself. And last but not least, practice self-love. I think it's really Starts from knowing yourself and what your values are and what kind of life you want to live. And then you will want to surround yourself with people who support you and lift you up, but not people who hurt you constantly. And you may not see these people immediately, but just look around you and look deeper and look longer. There must be someone who agrees with you, supports you and helps you become the person you want to be. Those are the people who you want to be close to and surround yourself with. These are good life tips, but they're also great for someone who's looking for a relationship. You need to know who your core values are and what kind of life you want to live. And then share these put with potential, your potential dates, online or in person. And if you go to events or on platforms with people who share similar values or interests, it's probably more likely that you'll find someone who is a better fit. I know in some cities there are LGBTQ focused book clubs, sports clubs, game nights, running clubs, hiking clubs, food clubs, etc. And besides trying out their dating app trick, maybe it's worth going to some of these events as you may see some or uh, meet loads of people with similar interests to you. And if these events don't exist, why don't you organize them? You know, like they mentioned that if you want to see change you want to be the change and that might be actually a time for you to organize some of these local events and have you tried going to some of these social events did it work for you what else did you take away from this interview please let me know what you think i'd love to hear your comments and your feedback and your takeaway and your learnings So just leave your feedback on the instagram post for this episode our instagram handle is rainbow pajamas underscore and finally Don't forget to share this episode with someone
0: you care about who can
1: benefit from the show. Bye now.
0: Hey you, are you miserable in your love life? Just kidding. If you do know someone in the LGBTQ community whose love life has been in lockdown for a long time and are looking for a reopening, please share this podcast with them. If this podcast has made you laugh, think, or oddly turned you on, please leave a positive review to help more people discover the show. You know to turn more people on and don't forget to subscribe to get the latest goodness and if you know anyone we should interview in the show please email rainbow pajamas crew at gmail.com that's c-r-e-w at gmail.com or send us a message on instagram our handle is rainbow pajamas underscore we're always looking for people in this diverse community who are in various types of intimate relationships or at different stages of their lives okay that's it for today This is Rainbow Pajamas.
1: Hey, it's Pajamas with an A, not Y.